Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and the word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. A lesson from the Old Testament, the book of Numbers, chapter 14, verses 1 through 11. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become booty. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us choose a captain and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the Israelites. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the Israelites, The land that we went through as spies is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are no more than bread for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. But the whole congregation threatened to stone them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? And how long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. invite all the children who are in the sanctuary to come forward if you want to and meet me up here. And if you're worshiping from home, just get a little closer to your screens. It's good to be with you this morning. Come on up. So glad to see everybody. Whoops, we left this notebook. Put that out of the way so someone can sit there. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. He does, doesn't he? Okay, glad to see everybody. Have any of you ever had a swimming lesson? Are any of you learning to swim? Yeah, lots of you are learning to swim. At Nana's apartment. Well, that's great. Well, I want to tell you about when I learned to swim. I don't remember how old I was. It wasn't an official lesson, but my mom and dad were taking turns teaching me to swim. And I have this memory of like getting into the pool and holding on to the wall really tightly. And my mom was like right there. And she kept saying, come on, Carol, you can let go. I'm right here. You know how to do it. 
And I clung to that wall, and I clung to that wall, and I was so afraid, and I thought, you know, I think I could just hang out on this wall and be happy for the rest of my life. But if I had done that, I would never have learned how to swim. So finally, I loosened my knuckles, and I held on with one hand, and there was my mom right there. And I let go, and I started to swim, and my mom took my hands, and she said, good, that's so good, keep going. And then she let go of my hands, but she was right there. If, in case I started to have trouble, she was going to be right there to catch me. And with her leading me, I made it all the way to the other side. And once I got to the other side, that meant I got an ice cream cone. So I have that memory of my mom just one step at a time leading me to the other side of the pool. But I never would have gotten there if I hadn't let go of the wall and trusted that my mom would be there to help me. We hear a story about the people of God, and they're afraid. God is trying to lead them somewhere, and they're afraid to let go of what they know. They finally do, and they finally get where God wants them to go. But I can understand when I read the story how hard it can be sometimes to let go. Let's pray together. Gracious God, help us to trust you. Help us not to be afraid to follow you and to know that you love us and you always will. In those times when we need courage, help us to trust. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all so much. I'm sure you're all very good swimmers. If you're three, four, or five, you can go to Children's Church with Pastor Maggie. All right. Well, you get to go to Children's Church. If you're older than that, you can go sit back with parents. But I'm going to be four. You are? You're going to be four? That's so exciting. I'm going to do a little show and tell today. In my office, I have this picture hanging right by the door. I'll let you guys see it too. It's actually a concert poster from when I sang with the Candler Coraliers in Divinity School. We were singing a piece composed by Samuel Sebastian Wesley, who was the grandson of Charles Wesley, who wrote many of the hymns that we sing in worship. And it's a piece entitled The Wilderness. And I keep this image hanging in my office because it's a very real and powerful image for me and for many of us, pretty much all of us, I think. I'm just going to leave it up here. The wilderness is a place of wandering. The wilderness is a place where we can't always see where we're headed. We don't always know where our next meal is coming from. The wilderness is a place of not knowing. And I can't tell you how many times in my own life or how many times I've sat with people in my office and listened to their story where I've been able to say, this sounds like a wilderness season. Maybe moving from one city to another or trying to discern whether to leave a job that feels like a dead-end job or a toxic workplace and have the courage to do something new, or going through a season of grief, not knowing how or when life might feel different, 
There are times when we go through the wilderness as a congregation or as a denomination when everything we thought we knew is in upheaval and changing and we don't yet know where we're headed. Well, over and over and over again in the scriptures, we find ourselves in the wilderness. Just a few weeks ago, we met Moses in the wilderness. He had left the land of Egypt after killing an Egyptian soldier. He didn't quite know what his life's purpose was. He was tending his father-in-law's flocks in Midian. And that's where the burning bush appeared. And he got called by God. We find Jesus in the wilderness. In a couple of weeks, in the first Sunday of Lent, we'll find Jesus spending 40 days in the wilderness without food, without water, facing temptation from the devil before he begins his public mystery ministry. It's a time of uncertainty, a time of transition and unknowing. We see the prophet Elijah in the wilderness. Again and again, the wilderness appears as a season for God's people. And it is a place where God's people spend a lot of time in the first few books of the Bible. As most of you know, we are making our way through the scriptures this year. This morning we're in the book of Numbers, and the whole book of Numbers takes place in the wilderness. As a reminder, the people of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, had settled in Egypt at the end of the book of Genesis. By the beginning of the book of Exodus, they were living under deep oppression by the Pharaoh. He had put them to forced labor, had enslaved them. He had gone so far as to decree that every firstborn of the Hebrew children should be killed. It was a terrible place, bondage and suffering, and their groans went up to God, and God chose to deliver them through the leadership of Moses. And so we get the whole story of liberation. God opens the Red Sea, and the people leave their bondage and their slavery And they're headed to a new land, to the promised land. But first, they spend time in the wilderness. When the book of Numbers opens, they're about somewhere between a year and two years into their time in the wilderness. They've been gathered at the foot of Mount Sinai, receiving the law from God through Moses. God is using this time to shape them and teach them the kind of people God wants them to be, how God wants them to treat each other, to treat the poor, how God wants them to worship. And so, in the first few chapters of Numbers, they are getting ready now. Having received the law, they're getting ready to set out for the promised land. And the word numbers refers to the census that is taken. They're counted, all the 12 tribes. There are over 600,000 of them at this point. And in chapter 10, the march begins to the promised land. And in chapter 11, the complaining starts. It's like you're heading out of the driveway and someone in the back seat says, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, are we there yet? That starts happening in chapter 11. There's several cycles of the Israelites complaining. I'm, we're hungry, we're thirsty. You can hardly blame them, they're in the wilderness They don't know where their next meal is going to come from. And every time they complain, they begin to to look back to Egypt, that place of terrible bondage. And yet, they had food, and they had water, 
And they begin to be drawn back into this place of bondage because the wilderness is too uncertain and too hard. But every time they complain, God, though God may be frustrated with them, God provides water from the rock, quail for them to eat, and manna every day. Now the manna, the word actually means whatchamacallit, what is it? The manna appears in the grass every morning like the dew, and the people are instructed to collect it and use it to make cakes and bread for their daily bread. But they can't collect more than they need. If they hoard it, whatever they've kept rots overnight. It's just enough for the day, except for the day before the Sabbath. Then they can collect twice as much, so they don't have to work on the Sabbath, and they can rest fully. But every day, they have to trust in God to provide. Every night when they go to bed, they have to trust that manna will be there in the morning. And it is. Again and again, God proves God's faithfulness. And yet again and again, they complain, they doubt. Until we get to this moment that we've heard from chapter 14. They have finally arrived on the edge of the promised land. They've been in the wilderness about two years. And God is ready for them to go and settle in the promised land. And they send out 12 spies, 12 scouts, one from each tribe, to go and and check out the land and report back so they can know how how to enter into the land. Ten of those scouts come back and say, there's no way, there is no way we can get into this land. Sure, it's, it's got great fruit, it's got milk and honey, but the people are huge. They're like twice as big as we are. We're like grasshoppers compared to them. They're well-armed, they're organized. They're, there is no way we can do this. But there are two scouts, Caleb and Joshua, who tell a different story. Well, not quite a different story. They admit, yes, the people are big and strong. The land produces beautiful fruit, But it's not about us having the strength to go in. It's about God. And God has promised that we can settle in the promised land. We need to trust God. And so the people have before them the ten scouts who are all about fear and only looking at what they can do themselves. And the two who are all about trust and all about what God can do. So who do the people listen to? The ten. They give in to fear. And Brent read the passage where they're crying out to God, Ah, I wish we had died in Egypt. I wish we would just die in the wilderness. Can't we just go back? There's no way. And because of their doubt and fear... None of those who are alive in that moment get to enter the promised land, except for Caleb and Joshua. God is so frustrated with them and their lack of faith that God says, okay, that's what you want, that's what you'll get. The next generation will enter the promised land. You need more time in the wilderness to learn to trust me. And so it's 38 more years that they wander in the wilderness with God. And I look at their story 
it's, you know, read numbers in just a couple of hours, and I think, what is their problem? How can they not trust in God? I mean, God parted the Red Sea, for heaven's sake. God defeated the Pharaoh of Egypt. God liberated them from slavery in Egypt. And every step along the way, God has provided for them. God has traveled with them in a pillar of fire and a cloud of presence, never leaving them. How can they not trust God? And then I realized that their story is my story. How many times has God provided? How many times has God made a way when I thought there was no way? How many times has God brought comfort and just enough for the day to help me move another step forward? And yet when a new challenge comes, when the unknown faces me, I'm like those 10. It's too hard. It's too big. It's too unknown. I can't do it. And I fail to trust God. I can see in my own life, and I've seen so many times before in my conversations with other people, how we cling to the wall of that swimming pool. It's so much easier to stay with what we know, even if it may not be comfortable, even if it may be toxic and oppressive to us, than to let go and trust that God might have somewhere to take us and accompany us every step of the way. So I wonder if any of you this morning find yourselves in a place of wilderness, knowing that there is a path you could take and you don't have all the answers, you don't have a road map, you don't know if you have the strength to take the leap, then the story of the Israelites in the wilderness has something to speak into your life. Remember the manna. Open your eyes and hearts to the manna that God provides every day to just take one day at a time. It'll be there. And it will be enough. Look in your life for the Caleb's and the Joshua's. Those people with the faith and courage to say, God is with us. We can do this. And when you find yourselves clinging, to look for ways every day to loosen the grip just a little bit more and step out in faith. God led the people eventually into the promised land. But the journey wasn't over. There was another trial that came their way. Life is a journey. And we may arrive in the promised land in one way, but there's always going to be another challenge, another season of wilderness that comes before us. May we remember this story of the Israelites. May we remember our own stories, those times when God has been faithful even though the journey was long. And may we have the courage to step out in faith and trust that God is with us.